Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I'm pretty good, man. I Okay, I'm laughing because last week when I was editing and I got to the I'm Jude part, you said it so like action news now that it it, it hit me so hard in the edits. <laughs> That's funny. I'm Jude. Uh, well, you know what? It's so funny because like I remember saying my name was one of the hardest parts to learn <laughs> when we first started. And now I'm so comfortable with it. And I admit, I kind of vary it on purpose <laughs> just a little bit still. Like I haven't quite settled in the best way to say my own name. Um, so well, yeah. listen, you got you got to keep them on their toes. You know, they never right. know what's gonna gonna happen after the I'm Trey. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I'm sure people listen just tune in for just that. Oh, okay, I said it this way this time. Click. If you exist, if that's you, let us know. I want to know yeah. the person that listens to like the first three minutes, and that's it. <laughs> what about you, Jude? How are you doing? <laughs> it, it's Friday mm-hmm. of a three day weekend. Which is also weird because it's summer school, so I'm only doing half days anyway. So it's like, I don't know, it's weird. Um, <laughs> but my oldest also comes home, been traveling internationally, gets home uh, tomorrow. Super excited about that. Sunday is Father's Day, and we'll go to my dad's house for a little bit, eat a burger, eat a hot dog, probably take a nap. <laughs> so that sounds like a good Father's Day to me. <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah, so like that's uh, that's what I have lined up. Nice. So I did want to mention this because I'm super excited that I think it was this Monday, the day our last episode dropped, Thor tickets finally went on sale. So I was able to secure mine for that Saturday, July 9th, and I'm really excited, man. I, I It's getting to the point where it feels like the MCU movies are just sneaking up on me. Like they're happen- happening so frequently, it's just like you turn around and there's a new one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't, I, I've had my Thor tickets for a while. Really? Um. Yeah, and I just I don't I don't really want to get into how I got them because I have to bash Multiverse of Madness to explain okay. it. So. All right, so if you downloaded this episode, you <laughs> <laughs> well, if you remember, it was it was the whole thing about about not bringing our food and, and drinks, right? And, and we got comp two tickets, and so I, was like, I love oh, it. This is how, this is how I'm gonna go see Thor. I love how you can't say that without bashing Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> Look, before before I get us in trouble again, I'm going to go ahead and say, if you downloaded this episode, you know that we're going to be talking about season one, episode two of Miss Marvel, titled Crushed. Wanted to make sure I got that in this week since I missed it last week. Yeah. Uh, and look, look, for all of y'all, y'all know who y'all are. Trace, Trace sat me down, had the talk, so. <laughs> I will no longer talk about Doctor Strange in the multiverse of... Sadness. Driving me madness. Uh, <laughs> I like yours better. <laughs> I love how you say I sat you down for the talk where you called me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So if you're new to this show, the way we're going to handle it is we're going to have some pre-spoiler thoughts for the latest episode of Miss Marvel, followed by the spoiler zone where we'll get into the full details. So... Before we get there, Jude, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode of Miss Marvel? So I spoiler texted you and TK, all caps. Oh my God, I love this show. I think by the time the f- opening credits started, <laughs> like I, I, I just, 
I don't know how they did it. Like as much as I loved episode one, they were able to like, but I feel like they're setting me up for a fall because it's so good, you know? And it's just like, Oh my gosh, how is this episode better than the first one? You know, or, or at least on par and crossing my fingers for episode three that they keep this up. Mm-hmm. But I have no reason to feel like that they can't. So I think I'm the, the sour grapes in this scenario because you were talking about how much you loved it. And I just texted you back. I'm afraid to get hurt again. <laughs> Because it always feels like the Disney Plus shows start off so strong, and then by the end, it's like, oh, okay, whatever. But yeah, I'm on that same limb with you, and I just wanted to add, not only did you spoiler text the group that you loved it so much, you also messaged me in, in a separate, just to me message, and said, take an hour off work and just watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and... uh if I would have found time to take off for an hour to watch it, it would have been well worth it, because I'm right on that limb with you. I think the biggest takeaway I had from this episode is we often talk about how representation is important, right? And one of the things we mention is how it gives an avenue for people to see themselves on the screen. The thing that I think is wonderful about Miss Marvel is not only am I sure that it's doing that, it's educational as well. Like there are things that we'll get into that I like I didn't know about that I found myself going down rabbit holes reading about that really demonstrated why representation is so important because these are stories that are getting front and center attention and it's just i it, this this series is special already and i i'm fully in love with everything episode two has done so far yeah i, I i'm gonna say this and it's weird because i feel like i've said this multiple times and so it, it's it's a recency bias that i'm trying to be careful of but it's just like this might be the my favorite <laughs> or the best, you know? And it's like, oh, I said that about Hawkeye. I kind of said that about Moon Knight, you know, and and stuff. And the the excitement I have in watching it and in rewatching it is just off the charts. I think the best distinguishing thing I can say before heading into the spoiler zone is we were talking about it. And I had this distinction where it's like, look, I like Moon Knight. Two episodes in, Miss Marvel is such an easier recommendation than that show for sure. But I think it might be the easiest recommendation out of any of the MCU shows so far. Oh, yeah. Without question. Yeah. Well, with those pre-spoiler thoughts out of the way, I think we can go ahead and jump into the spoiler zone. So, like I said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU, except Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So the way we're going to handle this is we're going to break this down into the most important topics. This week we have the mosque board, hero training, family history, and hard light or flight. The first one with the mosque board is going to have us detailing the storylines where Nakia is pointing out the inequality of the women's section of the mosque and how that eventually leads to her deciding to run for the board after some encouraging from Kamala. So Jude, starting with you, where would you like to start within this first section? I'm going to start with something that you said to me. Okay. How effective this show is telling Nakia's story as well. Uh, She's not just this sidekick supporting character. Like she has her own you can see this own growth and the way well let's put it this way she's not there just to support kamala kamala is there you know and supporting her 
as if like it's her show just as much as the other way around um, in terms of the not the interaction, but the encouragement of running for the board, you know, and, and, and those types of things, even, even like, like, okay. So like when they came out of the mosque and she's doing the whole, the future is here and the future is her kind of, kind of stuff. Like, that whole conversation, if you just isolate that out, you would think that Nakia was the main character and it's the story about her fight or struggles, which was uh, really cool. I like that you, you, you teased that out. Yeah. I went for the joke and I texted you right after I watched it and I said, B plot in my Marvel Studios shows? What is this? And I was genuinely caught off guard by how much I felt I was missing that in the other Disney Plus shows. And to kind of explain a little bit further on what it is I'm getting at, and I'm welcoming any kind of pushback because I have been like just running through this criteria to see if any of the other shows reach this, but so many of the Disney Plus shows feel so laser focused on the story, the problem at hand, where with this one, it is something that is pertinent to the themes that they're exploring with Miss Marvel. But as you said, it stands on its own. And so the closest I think we can get to is the boat plotline in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But even then, it was from Sam's perspective. We were seeing that outskirts of the story through what it was doing to Sam. But this is truly Nakia's story. And I think what makes that special, other than the importance of the storyline, which I'm sure we'll get into, is... If these shows are about like, okay, here's this hero that is going to save the day. They have this certain group or this population that they're trying to save, and we know it's important to them, but this show taking the time to show stories like Nakia makes it feel that much more important. And so it is wonderful storytelling. And the thing that I meant when I said, okay, it's it's pertinent to the themes that they're exploring, I love that conversation in the bathroom where Nakia says, until I put the hijab on... I felt like I didn't have a purpose. And now I finally feel like I get to be me. And so that's obviously paralleling what Kamala is going through with her trying to find identity within her costume, within her new uh, found superpowers. And so it is the best example, I think, of what I talk about where superhero stories are relatable stories taken to the extreme. You have the extreme with Kamala going through the fantastical side and you have Nakia dealing with the everyday side. And I love that it's Nakia who is being almost not necessarily the mentor, but being the guiding light for Kamala within that scene. Mm -hmm. Well, and you see it in Kamala as well, that, that culturally foot in both worlds, the, the 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 connection she has with Bruno, but then the infatuation head over heels uh, with Cameron, and there's a similar interest there that is not just I'm a junior, you're a senior, we're in high school, attractive, you know. There there's also a cultural similar cultural interest, and so in terms of the Bollywood movies and stuff like that. And, and more Bruno, he just, he's, he's trying his best, right? Like he's, he's like, I like Bollywood, you know, <laughs> um, I, I like this. And I'm like, like, what are you talking about? Didn't, um, he, didn't he say it was pleasing to me, which yes, is the yeah, weirdest was, way to describe a movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so even there, not just the, the identity of like, Oh, who am I there? I mean, there is this identity of like, 
what, which I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm, many people of various cultural differences have that experience of like, I'm here in the U S and my family's culturally one thing, but friends and this is culturally something else. And I kind of feel I have a foot in both worlds. Um, and you can shift back and forth. Um, and you, and you see Kamala doing that between these two, um, love interest, maybe they're high school. So I, I, I want to use love very, crush interest, very <laughs> crush interest. Maybe be better. Very, very loosely. Um, and I think that's what, hit me so much in terms of why representation is important in this episode. This is 100% an immigrant story. I mean, Nakia's line, I'm too white for some or too ethnic for others, and I feel like I'm in this sucky in-between. And I think that's 100%. It's kind of like what what Shang-Chi tackled a little bit. You know, he wasn't, he didn't quite feel American. He didn't feel quite, uh, you know, in tune with his father's origins. And so he was in this middle place and that's where he had to conquer. And so we're seeing that here. And I think, you know, just to put the the hammer on it again, it's brilliant storytelling that they have put Nakia in this place. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny to me. Okay. So a, a little bit on a personal side, you know, and, and where like, I feel like I identify with it and why I pull TZ out. So like, we're cousins. My mom, what? your aunt. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> you remember? Where's your? That's why do you have a British accent. You're Pakistani. No. Uh, <laughs> I make that joke. Yeah. I wonder how many people who are listening are just now realizing we're cousins for the first time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So so we're cousins, right? My mom's your aunt. Your mom's my aunt. Um, so we have. Grandparents that are the same, great-grandparents and great-grandparents from Mexico. From my dad's side, Irish, English, and French-Canadian, right? And so, you know, I've always felt like I've had this kind of foot in two worlds for that reason. And I remember in my early to mid-20s, one time Memo said to me, and I forgot exactly the context and how it came up. I mean, I said to me, don't worry. You're still my little Mexican grandbaby. I'm in my early to mid twenties. And I'm like, I didn't know this was a question. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't even know this was, this was ever in question. Like what, wait, what? Um, like I, I never felt like I needed that reassurance. Um, but, but I, I guess I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> or at least my mom thought I did at the time. So yeah, but it was just like, but but it was one of those things where it was like, yeah, this kind of foot in in both worlds on on that and that and that's, um. So it's not quite the same as is what Kamala and Nakia is going through, but it's definitely why something stood out to me, you know, in in, in that sense. And I think that foothold in both worlds makes them equally adept at pursuing the mosque board because i mean they're quick to point out about how the woman's side of the mosque is just so run down the audio system's terrible to the point that it's causing disruptions in the lecture uh i didn't even catch it on the first time because there's a scene where they're like washing their hands before going into the the main room and something falls and i was like what was that and it wasn't until later that i realized oh that's literally the walls falling apart from just how run down it was. And so I like that it sets her on that path to wanting to run for the board to help, you know, a little bit more equal treatment. It's, I love that eventually we get to that scene where, well, where it starts is Kamala is like 
encouraging her to do it. She's like, no, no, you know, the, my uncle's doing it. I don't want to, I don't want to get in on that. And it, yeah, I think this is the final scene of that storyline in this episode. It ends with her talking to Kamala's dad, swaying him <laughs> to vote for her. And I like how effective she was in doing, or at least proving her case that she's taking this seriously. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because in my second watch, it made me wonder about this show and the risks they were taking, Marvel's taking. And it could be a risk and it can't, and it might not be a risk. And it's really one of those sayings. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, this show is a text, right? Just like anything. And there's, whether it's a book, show, any kind of media, think of it as a text. And there's the intended reading from the creator, author, showrunner, whatever. But then there's also the reading that we have in participating with the work and the art. And what do I bring to it and take out of it? And so I remember watching it and wondering, like, oh, wow, are they, are they challenging the faith of Islam, right? And, and maybe bringing to light perceptions of Islam, right? And, and treatment of women. Like, is that what they're doing? And that's... You know, for Disney, Marvel, that could be kind of risky. But at the same time, like, they're, the second time through, I'm watching it, and it's like, I don't think so. Because for me, I'm looking at it, and it's like, clearly the relationship they're shutting up with, you know, Kamala and her dad is one of tremendous love and care, right? And Nakia's choice of wearing the hijab and stuff like that. whereas. Which means you go back to the mosque, right? And there's like, oh, look at this area. This is where we're at. And this is the, it's falling apart. You, one way you can look at it is like, they don't care about women, right? And that's one way to read it. But the second time through, it's more of like, no, that's not the case. It's, it's one of those, it feels like they're showing like how separate those worlds are. Like, like they wouldn't know because you don't have a voice. You, you know, and, and on the board or you're not in that area of the mosque and there's a separate, you have no idea. You know what I mean? Um, until you really, you know, you might, it's one of those things like even as a teacher, I have it with my students, right? Unless I am aware of their experiences as a student and what they're going through, you know, and I consider those things, I'm just taking my best guesses off of perceptions that they're happy you know, and, and things are going well. And, and so, so it was interesting how in one way I thought it was like, Oh man, this feels like they're taking a risk. And then the other way it's like, they're not really taking a risk. They're really portraying that, that separation and showing that, yeah, there's still kind of a healthy respect because like he didn't really chastise Kamala and Nakia for speaking out, you know, during prayer time in the lecture it was just like hey don't speak during the lecture like you know what i mean he didn't raise his voice he didn't there and, and so there was a, a dignity and respect there you know and 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 so so i really liked how they portrayed that mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm glad you highlighted that because that was what did he say is like oh you know thank you for showing us the importance of having your voice heard perhaps next time not during my lecture though so it's like 100% there is that healthy respect. She does have pride in that faith. It's just showing the importance of having that seat at the table to be able to have that representation and be like, hey, you know what? These are the problems we have. This is how we can move forward to make things better. So I, I really appreciate that storyline a lot. And to bring it back one more time to that, the is it Eid Mubarak? Wherever they, they are 
or or whenever Nakia is trying to convince Yusuf, uh, Kamala's dad, to vote for her, you know, we talked about it whenever we did the Doctor Strange review where it's that filmmaking technique, right, where you have a character and then the camera just, like, follows them as a perspective shift yeah. to show yeah. how a person has been or visually depicting how a person has changed. I love that they did that for Yusuf. You can see the moment where his vote has changed visually, and it, it the camera flips to you to the point where you see the uncle who's running as well just out of focus and he's like what what was that so i love yeah. how they played with that <laughs> mechanic visually just to have him back in focus yeah <laughs> yeah like that was that was really well the camera work in this is amazing i'm gonna get a little bit off topic but it's pertinent because it just came up because you know i mentioned in the last episode they didn't have to do the locker scene that way like from the other side of the locker you know with the locker separation there was another shot, and I'm forgetting it now, but my note basically is, I love how they visually show the walls people, in particular teenagers, put up with each other, with uh, with adults, with with each other. But they're, with, they're using the camera and the blocking to visually, like, they are separated um, by the physical space. I think it was early on, Kamala and Bruno after she did her little I'm confident dance through the halls and they made up a Bruno and they're, and they're walking, but they go through separate doors. And so like, it's little things like that, little techniques of like these, this like manipulating the space to show this separation for even as close as they are, there's this, and we all do it. It's a human thing, you know, and, and the younger you are, I think it's even harder. Um, but to have that uh, or be willing to be intimate in terms of being vulnerable and opening up, you know? Um, and, and so it's like, Oh, this is my best friend, but you really, you know, and you're that age, you're still kind of guarded a lot of times. And, and so the, to use that physical space like that, it's really well done and really well thought out. So I just looked it up real quick. That way we can properly credit. This episode was directed by Mira Manon. And last week was a deal in Bilal. Which, if I'm not mistaken, they are the guys who directed Bad Boys for Life, which is one of the last movies that came out of uh, 2020 before the pandemic. And I remember specifically, because I had no interest in the movie, but the reception it was, this is way better than a sequel to this series deserves to be. And they were crediting those directors. So, like, this, seeing the work that's been done so far makes me want to go back and watch Bad Boys for Life. Uh, I'm going to add that to my list for sure now. Well, and, and it's one of those things where I think there's three different directors, each getting two episodes. For Miss Marvel? Yes. It looks like there is Adil and Bilal, Mira Manan, Charmin Obey Chinoy. And yeah, so like you said, three different directors or three sets, I should say. Yeah. And, and, and they get, they're getting two, two each. So no, I'm in, I'm going to go watch bad boys for life now. Cause that's <laughs> cause, well, cause, cause like I said, I, I wasn't like, I liked the first bad boys. I don't even remember if I seen the second one. Um, which is weird. If you look at my letterbox, I have like 1500 movies viewed. Like I just <laughs> I love watching movies, but man, if, if, if they're directing it the way they're directing this, I'm in completely that alone will be worth it so i'm going to use what you just talked about because i do i remember the scene you're talking about that uses the filmmaking to show bruno and kamala being on separate paths so the next section is 
hero training, which is going to be the section where we detail the newfound confidence that Kamala has in the opening, the training montage that they go through as she's trying to develop her powers, as well as the storylines featuring Bruno where he gets accepted into Caltech while juggling with some of the jealous of Kamaran. So playing off what you just said, though, the thing that is... There's two things. The I love the way you depicted how they're going in separate paths because it's a reverse of what you highlighted last week with the lockers where he had to cross over demonstrating that he's on her side. And so the fact that this episode features them kind of straining that friendship just a little bit, I think that's brilliant. And the other thing that is so strong about this opener with Kamala is one, expectation-wise, I had no idea where they were going with the way they ended in episode one where she just got in trouble. So to start this one on such a high note where she bursts through the school and it's a reverse of how she was in the first episode is special because within this same episode, they specifically call out how hey, it really seems like this power is coming from within you and not necessarily from the bangle. It's almost demonstrating how, like, this confidence was in her from the beginning because even though we know she's riding high from the Captain Marvel competition, it eventually ends up where it's like, oh, no, no, Zoe's the one who's getting all the accolades from that because she came in contact with the hero. So even though nobody has perceptually changed their view on Kamala, she feels different. And so I loved how that is, I don't know, I don't want to say foreshadowed, but you can feel that in the way this episode opens. You know what's going to be really unique? What's that? And interesting is Peter Parker and Spider-Man Homecoming and Civil War, right? Peter Parker in Civil War says, I couldn't play football before, so I can't do it now, right? You know, he the whole showing up to the party as Spider-Man and... And, and like, he's very like, no, I'm not going to take advantage of this. You know, that's a very, very grounded, down to earth, mature, responsible thing to do of the high school kid, especially in the day and age where in the day and age where I'm so old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you heard what these kids are doing? <laughs> okay. You want to talk about a reality check. So I'm flipping through these little these reels, you know, and it was like. What what is something you do now that you never would have thought you would have done when you were younger? And then it switches to somebody else. You know, somebody says that it switches to somebody else. And looking right into the camera and they're like, if you would have told me in my 20s that I would be 40 flipping through videos on my phone, short videos on my phone to ignore my own mental health, I would have said, you're crazy. And immediately I'm looking at it and I'm like, I can't. Why are you calling me out? And I had to like turn <laughs> off my phone. <laughs> now the whole the, the point of that, and why I say that is like, is like she's a junior, and and like she's such a typical kid so far, and it makes sense to to have that. I feel like a nobody now. I'm somebody, and my quote unquote rival, so to speak, is getting the credit that I should be getting. And so I'm really curious if they pull that through and that temptation to be like, no, I'm Iron Man or no, you know what I mean? That kind of have that moment. I'm Miss Marvel because it is so tempting, you know, the kid because to, to do that and not just because like, oh, you're a young kid, but I mean, how many followers do you have? How many views do you have? How many likes? Like we're in that culture that 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 validation, you know, is 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 there. And when you all of a sudden 
do something worthy of that validation and your quote and your arch nemesis, so to speak, is getting that credit, that takes one hell of a mature person not to be like, okay, I got to keep this secret. You, you know what I mean? Um, and so I'm really curious of, of what, what they're going to do with that. You know, I'm so glad you've drawn that Spider-Man Homecoming and Civil War comparison because, I mean, this straight up feels like Homecoming felt in the authenticity of these kids and what it would be like for them to deal with these powers. And you're right that Kamala has demonstrated being that typical kid so far. And I like that she, she's kind of right there so far with Peter Parker and that, like, no, I know I shouldn't do this. Like, imagine if the person who saved her was you know, public about it, how many followers they would have gotten. And Bruno's like, well, that's why secret identities are important, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he's like trying to, because he can see that she's being tempted by it, but she hasn't quite crossed into that that revelation just yet. So it's definitely yeah. on her mind as well. She understands it, I guess, at least internally. Um, but it, it is interesting that outside of Spider-Man, are there is there anyone else who really holds their secret identity that close? I guess maybe the Eternals? But it wasn't necessarily them, just the fact that they were super all together. Because King yeah. was out there making movies. Yeah. The Eternals are the only ones that come to mind. Moon Knight, I guess. Yeah. But he's not public, the very public the way Spider-Man and already Nightlight is. <laughs> You know, we always talk about this all the time. Like, let, let's get a perspective of just the everyday person as a Disney Plus show. I would love to see what the everyday person would come up with for the names of the heroes. Right. <laughs> Not necessarily like the Captain Americas and the Iron Mans who are well-known, but some of the lesser-known. Like, until Endgame, how, what did people refer to Scott Lang? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know if the public called him Ant-Man. I think it was, the Ant-Man was all around Pym. So we got we got Nightlight and we've got Night Monkey so far. Yes. So eventually we do get that wonderful training montage. And I immediately thought of you whenever they went through it. Because so often, you, I think you, if you go all the way back to our Daredevil episodes, I think you were the first person to illustrate that idea of how they're leveling up as you're going along through the story as a way to dem demonstrate like kind of like that escalation from here to here. I love that it's almost a literal leveling up as Kamala's learning how to use those hard lights to step higher and higher. But I would I will say it is funny and it just it speaks to the kid nature of her. I love how she was failing at shorter distances and kept trying at higher distances. <laughs> Well, well, if it didn't work what? from the safe space, let me go a little bit higher. <laughs> right? But what I loved about that training montage is how, I think, I think how effective they, they did in terms of like, because we've seen training montages, you know, I mean, we've watched Tony Stark do it. We watched. Oh, add that um, to the bracket list idea. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, who else? So we've seen him do it. We've seen Ant-Man do it, right? With the keyhole and all those other things. Did Kate Bishop have a training montage? Not really. She kind of was like, you know. Her training montage was the credits that demonstrated all her trophies. <laughs> right. Tobey Maguire in his Spider-Man had a training montage. Um, Gar San you know, Andrew Garfield and his Spider-Man had a training montage. So in other words, like we've seen it like, Oh, I have these new powers and I got to kind of figure it out. And so we've seen it before, but 
but for, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Why did this one feel different? I, 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 I actually know why between Iron Man and this one. Cause, cause Iron, and Iron Man, he was like testing it out and it was very scientific, you know, 10%, 5%, one, you know, and those types of things and very scientific kind of thing. Whereas Kamala was just very playful. And there's this nervousness. It's like watching a kid learn how to ride a bike the first time or skateboard the first time. And it's like, you know, there's this nervousness. And once they get it, though, it's like, oh, I can do anything now. You know, it's like, no, you just kind of barely learned how to ride a bike. You can balance now. <laughs> you know, and and so they feel like they can do anything. And so so I think it was the playfulness with, with how they did it. But it, it was definitely felt different. It was just. It felt like a training montage that I've never seen before, but it's like I've seen tons of these before. If I could take a stab at what you're getting at, I think it's a training montage in a world where superheroes are established. So it has that air of, okay, well, maybe I have super strength. So she goes and does push-ups. She's like, okay, no, that's not it. And then you see her running. So maybe she was training for like super speed. No, I don't have that. And then she already reveals like, well, I tried to turn small, so clearly I don't have ant powers. <laughs> and so it's like, it has that kid-like worldview of of being granted something fantastical that you don't quite understand yet, which makes the revelation where she sees Bruno playing Crash Bandicoot so much funnier that she's drawing inspiration for video games yeah. on how to start accessing her power. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's the other thing is like, is like with Tony Stark, he's building it, right? So there's this intentionality and thought behind it. This is truly just a discovery. I will say this because I know you haven't seen it without getting too much into spoilers. There is something very similar in Shazam. Okay. So that that was the other one that it made me, it reminded me of. Uh, but I think I, I get what you're you're getting at as far as why it feels different. And I think what's also different about it is how much it shows her getting hurt. And like they didn't need to. Like that scene where she like She's using the hard light and she falls like face first and like almost skids a little bit. You're seeing consequences of her trying this. It's not that like, oh, I've got powers. I can do anything. She is like putting in the work and pain and sweat and tears for it. Okay. So the other training montage that just popped in my head was Sam Wilson with um, the shield. The shield. One of the best scenes in that series. And I love that you brought up about the getting hurt and the consequences. Because again, a very typical kid thing what i just said about no i got this now where it's like you're a superhero if that's or you know if that's what you're gonna do you need to train it's a craft you have to cultivate your craft right just because you know how to use your powers there's this creativity right that that comes with it of like well not just the creativity but a lot of stuff that that comes with it that that you get out of out of training and experience and bruno comes up to her and is like hey it's, it's time to train she's like no nah, i'll do i'll train some other time it's like, no, what you, no, like you need like, and I'm thinking that in my head, I was like, no, you need to train. Like this isn't, you can't go running around using this powers without, with, with like training. It's like any skill or craft. Um, but it's, again, it's a very cute thing. Ah, I got to, I'll put it off till later. I, I got this study for a test. I think the best example, <laughs> the best example, I think I, I can go back to Iron Man, the difference of the, okay, I have these skills now versus the training, Obadiah, when he didn't mm -hmm. solve the freezing problem, like mm -hmm. Tony Stark had put in the work, so he understood what to do. So I get what you're, you're explaining there. And so, you know, I do want to say one more thing, because you did talk about 
how like, okay, no, you need to do the training. You need to like, what are you doing? You need to do this now. There's wonderful foreshadowing where once they're in that attic and she's kind of like showing off that power again. And she, I forgot what it was. She sets off a series of events where Bruno almost gets uh, something fallen on him. So she pushes him out of the way and she's like, look, I saved you. Yeah, only because you almost killed me first. <laughs> I thought that it was a wonderful foreshadowing for what we eventually get uh, at the end of this episode. <laughs> so, of course, we'll, we'll pick that up later. But I think we can go ahead and move into our next most important topic, which is simply family history. So within this episode, we've got a lot going on where we have... That wonderful dinner scene where they are explaining to Taisha about their family history with the partition, how their family came to be, and how they immigrated to the United States. Uh, we have the story of Kamala's great-grandmother with the train and almost missing it and people not being quite sure how she was able to get back to her family. And, of course, all the scenes in Eid Mubarak with the Aluma aunties. I love that. I love that. So, Jude, starting with you this time... Where would you like to start within this section? All of it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did forget to mention, this also can be where we talk about Kamaran and the, the crush that Kamala has on him, as well as the unfortunate revelation by the end. Mm -hmm. So, well, I was going to say, I mean, I joke and say all of it because uh, family history is really fascinating to me in, in a couple of ways. Uh, one is... And this is more my experience, so I don't. I'm I'm kind of projecting out, but it's like when I was younger, I didn't really pay that close attention to family history. And as I've gotten older, I've I've asked more questions. I've gotten more interested. I haven't dove into it yet. And and part of it is because I feel like I would be reinventing the wheel, specifically from my dad's side. Um, I'm not sure if any of my mom's side is has has done this yet. But getting into like the ancestry or genealogy, you know, ancestry.com or genealogy or something like that, and really just kind of putting together that family tree. Um, because there's there's this element, and, and it's interesting that I talk that I you know I even talk with my students with this about sometimes uh, sometimes about this whole like, you know, second death being the last time someone says your name right after a physical death, or you know, on a on a smaller scale. Let's say I didn't return to my place of work next year as a teacher. Well, last year I had only seniors. So those people are graduating off who interacted with me regularly in terms of students. I had some interactions with other grade levels, but pretty much, you know, two class, that class is graduated off. I graduate one more class off. I'm going to face a year in the yearbook, you know, like, like, you know, if a teacher teaches all freshmen and then leaves, no other freshman class has them, you know, and once they, you know, and once that freshman class cycles out, they're kind of a name in a yearbook. And, and it's almost the same way in, in my head with family. And, and I loved watching Kamala, you know, have that interest, start to ask those questions. Tell me about you know, tell me this story. Tell me what happened. I want to know because it's just as much of, even though you know her, her mom is, is is wanting to hide it, it is a much. It's just much about who she is and and the connection to, I think a deeper connection to to her family and and her culture, and and so that's that's why I say like all of it. Just that digging in is just awesome. You know. 
So, you know, pre-spoiler thought, I talked about the importance of representation, not only for what it can do in seeing yourself on screen, but what it can do as far as educating people even outside of that culture. And the biggest thing for me was learning about the partition, you know, just through my own ignorance. It was something that I was not familiar with. And I found myself reading about it in the Marvel Studios subreddits as people were linking to it with information. Uh, You know, I watched a, a video that I'll link in the show notes that, you know, detailed just kind of a broad overview of, you know, what happened in India as it was divided into these different religious sects and how it split up families. And what struck me as so hard hitting on the second time because the first time it was like wow this is really interesting you can feel that there's history here but on the second view realizing how impactful that partition was for the family but it was so commonplace for them that they were Mm -hmm. telling the story as though like oh amir and kamala have heard this a million times they know how it ends they were reciting what their dad was going to say but it's it's tragic. And so like that, I think that contrast of how commonplace it was for them within their family origins, but how devastating the reality was. And you can see the mom still carries it. Obviously, they, that side of the family's impacted the most by it. I don't know. I just it, it's this this show is powerful, I think. And that small little scene of the family as they were just sharing their stories to this newcomer who's being married into the family with Taisha. It's. It's one of my favorite scenes, I think, of the Disney Plus shows so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's interesting you you, you highlight that because it's something I talked with uh, my students about today. It's kind of I kind of more planting seeds. Next week, I'll dive into it a little bit more. Um, but when I talk to them about family and and talk to them about if they decide one day to get married and how so much of their own you know, in terms of family history, so much of their own view of family or any of us comes from and what a family is and should be. Um, and what I say is, is because there's an element of, there's such a variety of family. So you have your ideas of what family is that comes from your experience. Um, but you could have a, ter- unfortunately, you could have a terrible experience growing up a family and, and you get the idea of like, this is not what it should be. A family should be this and not this, you know? Um, and you take that into this relationship and, and, and when you have that combining or melding of families through marriage, you're, you're starting something new, but I'm, I'm bringing as a person, I'm bringing those experiences with me, you know? And, and so to ask those questions, to hear those stories and want to know about those stories, I think is very important and having an interest and having an interest in the person is also you know, knowing their family of origin and their family history. And, and cause it, it tells you something as to why people do what they do and act the way they act. And so it's, it's, yeah, it, it was, it was really, really, said really, really powerful. Cause you know, she doesn't really like Bon Jovi. She just said <laughs> to oh, get along man. with the mom. Cause this is oh, like okay. Taisha. I, th- I was about to say, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> the mom doesn't like, but I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is like, we're getting about to get married, th- th- throw five years into the marriage and she'd be like, no, oh, I don't really like Bon Jovi. <laughs> I only knew the one song. <laughs> I'm more Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, sticking in that same dinner scene, I do want to highlight the story 
that is eventually told because, you know, we talked about it last week. There's some connection to the bangle and Kamala's powers that, you know, the mom is wary of because she she shuts it down again within this this episode where Kamala's like, you were the one who was telling me to find my own story. And she was like, yes, but not this one. So, of course, the story is, if I remember it correctly, Sana is Kamala's mother who is the child that is separated from the family and the great-grandmother Aisha is the one that disappeared that is the owner of the bangle that eventually gets passed on to Kamala. Mm-hmm. My interpretation of what that story is is that Sana, the the Kamala's grandmother, gets separated as a child and claims that she followed the stars to get to her family again. I'm reading that as it was the hard light. What we've now come to know as the hard light, that that was somehow the guiding force that brought that child back to the train and reunited with her family. And it's setting up, I think, a very potential heartbreak in the future that if this is the, the story that it ends up being, Aisha was the one to help continue this family, yet she bears the burden of all the shame, which... Oof, man, as, as, as much as that, that, that nucleus of them at the dinner table is talking about the importance of their origin and the importance of like what it means to understand where you come from, to have that miscommunication also thrown into the mix, I'm very curious to see where they're going to go with this entire storyline. Well, that story made me wonder who used the bangle. Because my first thought was Kamala's mom used the bangle to get back to the, the train. But then Kamala's like, mom wouldn't have been born, right? I was thinking Kamala's mom was the little kid. No, that was the grandmother. That was the grandmother. The um, one that ends up getting to FaceTime call. Yes. So her mother her is mother. the one that potentially okay. used it. Um, okay, so I got that wrong. But, e- <laughs> but okay. E- well, it's still your first reaction. I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. No, 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 no. But I'm saying my first reaction, e- person regardless, my first thought was like, oh, the little kid used the bangle. But now I'm wondering... Did the adult use the bangle and help them? I don't know. I'm going to have to rewatch it. Darn. <laughs> As if you weren't already planning to do so. I know, right? <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. And, and, you know, it carries over because eventually when they get to Eid Mubarak, one of Kamala's objectives is to visit with the Illuminantes and try and find out more because obviously she's tried going through her mom her mom's not gonna open up about it so she'll go to uh the sisters and i love the progression of like i heard she had an affair i heard she had multiple affairs i heard she killed a guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love how it just kept getting more and more judgmental and outlandish which i think is why they have earned the title of illumina auntie mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> gossip like that is so wrong we do it. People do it. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't participate sometimes. That's why I, I'm so quiet. I admit there's times <laughs> where it's just like, oh, I heard this. And it's just like, you know, oh, this is just hearsay. It's like, and then in the back of my mind, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> really? What that person said? Like, it's dumb. We all give in to it. We do. I mean, we like, do. That's that, how- that curiosity. I was going to say, that's how Kamala uh, enticed Bruno to go. Because when that scene first happened, which was like, come on, you know, there's going to be some hot gossip. I thought that it was because Kamala knows that Bruno likes being a part of that family and like getting into all the details. But then it clicks like, no, it's because they're going to try and find out about the bank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, so good. You know what? But, I, go ahead. 
I just realized we completely forgot to highlight any of the Bruno stuff in the previous section. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's okay. Okay. He's look, Bruno has clearly been put on the bench. You mean he, Brian? Yeah, I'm sorry. Brian has clearly <laughs> been put on the bench. Um, and you know, he can contribute a little bit, but over off to the side. Um, but I do love the storytelling that how we're getting pieces of that family history from grandmother. This, oh, I can't say, you know, the Illuminati, the, the Illuminati, the Illuminantes, you know, and you're getting little pieces and how they're slowly feeding us this story, you know, and, 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 and putting this pieces together. I do really enjoy that. It's interesting too, because so much of the theme so far is the emergent theme so far is like finding your story, finding who it is you want to be in this world. And the North Star isn't even truly a North Star because it's being watered down through these other people, which I think is like highlighting the importance of it being you to to make those discoveries on your own, because otherwise it is just somebody else's story until you've you've made an active participation in it. Mm -hmm. So the other thing I think we need to tackle within this section is clearly the Cumberon stuff. And you know what? I'll start here before I get into what I was going to say, because obviously Kamala has a crush on him. She eventually gets to have a lot of connections with him where they start talking about Bollywood and they start talking about music and they clearly they're hitting it off. And Mm -hmm. so they end up having their date. Her coming back home. I might have gotten the sequence out of order. Her coming back home. That was from the party. That was from the party. Right. The dance sequence where the lights all pink and she's dancing and happy. I what, loved it. Yeah. What stuck out to me, and maybe, and this, I, this is probably recency bias because I'm sure we can find other examples, but what was so beautiful about that scene is I feel like I've been conditioned where a character will have that sweet bliss only to be like, oh, crap. The fact that they let Kamala live in that bliss for the scene was perfect like it was just completely mm-hmm. joyous that she was yeah. excited she ends up she ends up in the bed and you see the text in the covers which is brilliant yeah i love that they gave her that before especially knowing where this is going to end up with the revelation that it is her cousin mm-hmm. wait, wait, I, wait, i'm wait, so on, glad her cousin i'm fairly certain it is no that was a cover for her brother but and i'm gonna double check this i because i went and read uh a recap from marvel Do- of the episode no why are you re- okay go ahead <laughs> and the woman that okay i guess this is up for debate then because the woman in the scene where she collapses at the dinner table and she sees someone reaching through and then she wakes up with her family all concerned about her mm-hmm. briefly is shown and then i believe that is also the woman in the car with Cameron, where he said hey this is my mother i'm interpreting that is aisha the great grandmother so I think there's a relation there. I know it was the cover, which I thought ended up being the irony that they end up being related. But, uh, you know, I guess it's up for debate because that, that's how I interpreted it. Okay. I'm watching it again. <laughs> I'm looking up the, uh, the recap on Marvel.com so I can read what I saw. Yeah. Okay. So this is according to Marvel.com. The very end, speeding off to safety, a woman in the back seat says she's excited to finally meet her, and to Kamala's surprise, it's the same woman she's been seeing in her visions. So the X factor here is they haven't clarified who the woman is, but right. given that we j- just learned the history of the, the family, I'm, be- I'm willing to bet it is the great-grandmother, because she mysteriously disappeared. I'm not sure. 
but okay, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, all, all I was getting to, I love they gave her that moment of joy, especially where we know where it ends up. Regardless if it's family or not, it ends up that it's not as teenage crush between each other as we thought it was. There is some ulterior motives here, mm-hmm. which leads me to what I originally wanted to bring up. Everything involving him is a whole heck of a lot less sweet on the second subsequent watches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with you on that, as I, as I think through. But see, at the same time, I don't think it was is meant to be sweet, necessarily. Like, And the only reason I say that is because we're seeing so much through Kamala's eyes. You, you know, and so it's like, and it's, it's almost weird, like, is there small hints of like a, I hate to say this, to use this term, I'm going to, the unreliable narrator, you know, because like when he's walking up and there's the, the graphic outline and the fire and the 100 and the pluses, you know, and all that, you know, we're seeing through Kamala's eyes and that, in that imagination and stuff. And so because it's all through Kamala's point of view, it's like, oh, this is awesome and sweet. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, when you do that second watch and, and if you're aware that, no, this is just Kamala's point of view, then it's going to be different than what he actually is. I do see what you're saying because, obviously, it is from her point of view. But it seemed very flirty in that diner. Like, it wasn't it wasn't purely her point of view because he was still, like, participating in that conversation. Yeah. Where so far... It's been very clear when we're seeing the live action depictions of Kamala's interpretations of reality. Mm-hmm. Like again with the with the family like Kamala, you're the best and they're wearing shirts with her face on it and dancing. Right. That was still I think rooted in reality. Right. So I, but I I do see what you mean about like all oh, the hearts and all the fawning mm-hmm. with all the visual flares but Yeah. So Okay. Yeah. On that note on that note though I do want to bring this up thanks to Ben.Maddie in the Discord. You know, last week, and even when we reacted to the trailer, you were talking about how you don't know if Kamala is ADHD, but you were feeling that representation on screen. Somebody actually asked uh, Bishop Kelly, the creator of the show on Twitter, and they said this about that. I'm supposed to be offline, but this is v important to me. Some ADHD friends sent me this, so I'm popping up to respond. I don't know if KK has it in the MCU or comic canon, but I have it, and it affects every aspect of my life. I'm glad you can see yourself in her in the sh- and the show. So even if canonically or whatever, Kamala is an ADHD, it is very center at the showrunner's writing. In my head canon, that's a yes. Yeah, because it's just... Because there's so much... And I'm not, and I'm not saying that it's like, oh, if you watch Kamala Khan and you don't know or you don't have ADHD, that this is an illustration of it, right? Not saying that, but there's so much stuff that I identify with that when I'm younger and even now of like the, in, in particular in the daydreaming, you know, I mean, there, there's other ways and other different things that, that manifestation and, you know, don't, we're not going to get into it and there, but it is one of those things where it's like the, that alone, it's like, Oh yeah. Like this. Um, and it's not an inability to focus. It's, it's that, well, okay. I'm trying to talk about this without diving too far into it, but it, it's, it's you hear If you hear people talk about a, a hyper-focus, you know, and, and some people think of that means like I am, I can look at one thing and I am 
drawn to it, right? And in terms of like I hyper focus myopic, just this one thing. And whereas hyper focus really means like everything grabs your attention, you know, and, and which makes it easier to like get lost in your thoughts and daydream, you know, because you have that thought and all of a sudden there, you know, and then within that daydream, you have another thought and it like takes you over to here. And, and, and so it's so much, and that's why I think that really identify with it on, on that, on that way. Yeah. I, I thought it was worth bringing up on the podcast again. Thanks Ben.Maddie for, for sharing that screenshot of the tweet. Uh, but as much as that has stuck out to you, it was nice to get that, as you said, personal headcanon confirmation. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up family history for now, which is going to bring us to our final, most important topic, which is hard lighter flight. This is going to be the section in which we detail Kamala's first true test as a superhero as we discover the, the boy leaning out the window who has an unfortunate fall uh, and also give us a, a, a chance to talk about the Department of Defense Control as they are inter interrogating Zoe and eventually chasing Kamala at the end. I'm going to start with me this time and I already kind of highlighted it when we were talking about the hero training. But it was important to me that they, or it was notable to me that they had that line of like, hey, I saved you. Well, only because you almost killed me first with Bruno and then have this moment at the end where she saves the boy, but she gets caught up in like the superhero pose and almost accidentally lets him fall again. And she ends up saving him. She kind of ping pongs him down with the hard light. And there's a lot of things that stood out to me about this whole sequence. One... And again, I'm, I'm open to pushback because I, I really do. I'm relying on the hive of the Internet to help me here because my memory is bad. But I can't think of a recent example where a hero is helping a, the regular civilian in something, quote unquote, trivial. I know a, a little boy falling out the window is not trivial, but when you also have someone like Thanos snapping away half the universe, this feels like such a low level or a street level problem mm -hmm. that adds to the like, I don't want to say realism of a superhero show, but it's, it's nice. It feels special. Yeah. And the fact that we get that training montage where we talked about how it's slowly escalating. She's not quite mastered it yet. She is paying a price for it because she is taking these falls be truly tested with a life or death situation and mm -hmm. not pull it off cleanly is wonderful because you have all the stakes of a traditional superhero show where it's like, okay, you know, they're going to do it, but you still have that like <gasps> moment whenever she accidentally lets him fall and the outstretched hand just barely misses. And you still see like, okay, she pulls this through, even if it wasn't a clean landing. <laughs> right. Right. Did the kid deserve to get hurt? No. <laughs> I mean, he stole the key of shoes. <laughs> What do you mean? Karma. The kid stole Nakia's shoes. That's the, that, the kid that she saved. That's the one that stole his, her. That's the one that stole Nakia's shoes from the mosque. How do you know that? I saw it. <laughs> right? Now I got to verify. I saw that theory, but since you brought it up, I was waiting for you to explain to the audience why you know that. <laughs> oh my God. I Google who stole Nakia's shoes. The first three things that come up 
is the Google Map famous footwear GSW designer shoe warehouse and New Balance store. <laughs> like, what? I love that in this episode, you told that sweet story about like the importance of learning about family history and how those stories live on through us and why you should look into it. But also, screw that kid. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the kid. It's 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 the kid. It's, it's the kid she saved is the one that's the that kid is the one who stole Kamala's shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he should have died. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> a little bit of injury isn't, you know, goes a long way. <laughs> so, well, I, uh, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> so, you know, and, and on the topic of mistreating kids, let's switch over to Agent Cleary, who is interrogating He's a Zoe thief, Zimmer. Dude, is this mistreatment? <laughs> I'm going to defend Nakia here. She had some okay. cool shoes. All right. They were cool. <laughs> so we talked about it last week where there was a potential for the intag of the Department of Defense Control seeing the video of Kamala at Avengers Con and, you know, being like, okay, we got to bring this girl in. I think I settled. It should have been in the story. If they were going to come back to it this quickly in the very next episode... Just put it part of the episode. I don't know why it needed to be an intact. Yeah, I'm with you too. It didn't. I was so hopeful that this was going to be an awesome intag, and we talked about it. Yeah. No, like you could have not shown that, and it would have had no impact whatsoever on them showing up in episode two. Mm-hmm. Like, like episode two, you wouldn't have to change a single thing and not show that in tag or put it another way. If I didn't actually watch the in tag, because I'm trained to not have an in tag after the first episode, it wouldn't have affected my viewing experience. Or imagine if it was the cold open of this episode before we get the confidence of her strutting through the high school. Mm, Yeah. That, that sets the tone for what's going to happen in this episode more than the in tag. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, there's a reason we make the podcast. (laughs) But, you know, I I did want to highlight, man, Agent Cleary is so good at getting those kids to talk, man. Like he, like with Ned, where he was like, dude, half my guys are guys in the chair. And then he gets like Ned to be like, oh, yeah, I help Spider-Man in this and that and so on and so forth. It's like, okay, so you do. The way that he plays to Zoe is like, dude, we love your videos. We all sing the popcorn song. And then she starts gushing about it. It's, It's slimy in the best way. Is the only way that I can describe it. <laughs> oh it's my like, gosh. it's perfectly evil. <laughs> That's so funny. And it, it, but it is, it is. It's just, it's that teachers do it. <laughs> we do our, like, I mean, the, the most obvious one, checking role, where's so-and-so? Is he absent today? I don't know. I just saw him last period. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> you just told me everything, <laughs> you know. The old rope dope <laughs> Right? Like, I mean, just simple things like that. And there's, I don't know. It's just oh, it's, tricks of the trade. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. I think one of the other standouts of that interrogation scene is the way Cleary insinuates. So is that when the enhanced individual tried to kill you? And I perked up in my watch through because I feel like when WandaVision came out, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier came out, there was this low rumbling of anti-superhero sentiment within the population. And then it just kind of 
got backseated. Like even, and it's funny because even in Spider-Man No Way Home, where it's like Spider-Man's a menace, I didn't really get that feeling of like superheroes need to be stopped, and it's more so like, oh, Spider-Man himself is dangerous. Coming back to this idea of like pushing back at the idea of, of enhanced individuals was is really really exciting. Uh, I don't know where. Obviously, we've only got kind of a taste of it here. I wonder how much this is going to be a, a reoccurring theme in the show as well as something phase four continues to explore from here. I'm going to go out on the limb and say he's going to be in secret wars and be a scroll. Wow. You're already putting that, uh, gauntlet down, Yep, but not a good scroll, but he's going to be a scroll. Oh, like an antagonist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. they're, they're doing something for him because we talked about the importance of like, Hey, this is a Sony character coming to the studios, Marvel studio side. There's clearly importance here. We've already talked about the comparisons to Spider-Man home trilogy. It is fitting that this character is here and potentially making their way as more of a prominent figure in the MCU. One other thing that just popped into my head, remember that I wanted to bring up about that interrogation scene, the way they got her to, I don't want to say admit, but talk about what she looks like. Oh, so she didn't look like you, you know, and those types of things. The fact that they specifically asked about South Asian, I think was, was really nice in terms of representation. Yeah, because because there's not fully this understanding of of Asia and Asian, you, you know what I mean? Um, in terms of like, you, you, you people think of like just it's this one thing, um, and and not realizing, um, what it all what all that encompasses. Was that Cleary who said that? I can't remember who exactly no, it was, said. No, it was Southeast. the other one. Because mm-hmm. uh, on that same token, her name is the Deaver. Agent Deaver. Deaver. Yeah. On that same token, it was like skeevy, which this is its own rabbit hole to go down that I'm still learning about. But she was like, was it Latina? Oh, we're supposed to say Latinx now. And it was the like the disdain at which she had that, that it was like, I can see the sentiment of like, okay, this is good representation. But man, she was Mm -hmm. definitely the the bad cop of the good cop, bad cop thing they had going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I completely, I was thinking about the South, the, where I completely wasn't thinking about the that comment there. So one of the last things I want to highlight, because we, we've made multiple comparisons to Spider-Man. We've talked about the feel of it, the authenticity of the high school, uh, a young person dealing with superpowers. Peter Parker and, and Kamala share that for sure. It is very interesting that not only are we seeing Agent Cleary coming in from Spider-Man No Way Home, we are seeing the Edith drones from Spider-Man Far From Home mm-hmm. in the possession of the, par- the Department of Defense Control attacking Kamala. This one is wonderful because it adds to that cohesive world, but it is it has me wondering of, yeah, where, Spider-Man No Way Home's out of the spoiler zone exemption. There is that scene where Matt Murdock is talking to Peter Parker. He's like, no, you're pretty much in the clear, but happy... It, you're under investigation for why Stark Tech is ending up in all these different wrong hands, which I think is going to lean into Armored Wars. I'm glad that we're starting to see. I, I think Armored Wars is going to be a lot bigger than I was anticipating because of the inclusion of those Edith drones in this final sequence. Yeah, And it makes me wonder who's in charge of that DOD. Is it DOD? DODC. DODC. Department it, of Defense. Yeah. Wait, it, Department of Advantage Control, Department of Defense. <laughs> no, that's not it. Uh, but it, it makes me wonder who's who's in charge of that. 
I'm desperately trying to remember the name of the guy, the the original mispronounced name villain in WandaVision. Haywood? Hey, Director Haywood? Haywood, Hayward. Hayward. Hey, y'all. Part of me says him. Part of me says the power broker. Part of me says Val. Like, like who is that? So, yeah. Ooh, Val would be a very good guess because we know she's clearly got connections. She's able, she was able to find out a lot about John Walker before she knew about the connection with Hawkeye mm-hmm. to the death of Romanoff. I think you might be onto something there. Yeah. Do I do a podcast? So. <laughs> Surprised I didn't get a Nick Sandy drop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I, that's pretty much wrapping up the final act of this most important topic. Again, I loved it. Just to highlight it one more time, Kamala is definitely a hero in training. Even though she is successful in escaping the drones, she takes a fall and tumbles and has to be rescued by, as we talked about, Kamaran and his mother. I'm I'm excited, man. I, I think they are doing a great job of, again, telling... I think I mentioned this Discord. This feels like the most complete level of storytelling that we're seeing in the MCU. We're getting these individual stories with just enough of a hook to get us into the next episode. And so starting with Kamala being in that training place, getting into the first test, completing that arc and being like, okay, here's the next little wrinkle. Now we see this deeper examination of the family history. Well, I, I mean, to, this, to put it that way, it feels like an actual series. Yes. Whereas the others having that kind of, oh, it's a six hour movie kind of idea. It's like, no, you actually have natural breaking or endpoints. You know what I mean? Like the, that you would expect in a, in a regular series. And so that's, that's the thing that I think is really making it really well done. 100%. Again, Bisha Kaylee, wonderful showrunner of this. Uh, the directors we highlighted as well. Oh, please don't hurt me, Miss Marvel. <laughs> I'm ahead over heel with these first two episodes. Well, in oh my gosh, uh, season two, can't wait. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's let's stick with episode two. Moving into our final thoughts, where we can either make a prediction, stray thoughts, or highlight things to consider moving into next week. Jude, uh, are any of these applicable to your final thoughts? My two final thoughts is going to be. The high school counselor's right with Bruno and this whole, like, you're the protagonist in your own story. This is that moment. Like, and I'm cringing. of like, oh, you can't not go. You can't not go. Please go. Please leave. Don't stay for Kamala. Don't stay for Kamala. Oh, that drives me insane. Like, and, and, and it, it just, because it's like, no, this is the opportunity to apply. This is you wanted. Go. There's. That's what you should do. And and so as as cringy as the high school counselor is, he's not wrong. Like you gotta go. You're going to be a Jedi. Yeah. Um <laughs> and then I find it so funny of like this whole and, and the term didn't come up, you know, and, and I honestly think it's a stupid term and it doesn't really exist. Um, but just that whole but it's portrayed very well, the the the, the dynamics of between Bruno and Kamala. And what some might term the friend zone, which I again I don't like the term. I don't think the friend zone exists. It's unbelievably stupid. Um, but that what people are try to 
the dynamic they try to explain with that term of like, I'm interested, but they're not. And so we're friends and, and, to, and to see that, especially if, uh, Kamran comes in the picture. Um, I think that dynamic is, is shown really well. I just, I don't know what else to call it. Unfortunately, natural jealousy. <laughs> yeah. It's just cause again, I, I, that's dumb, but yeah. So like to, to pull us out from, perpetuating that like i i, I want to one speak to i think the jealousy i'm with you the jealousy i think is well done because he is clearly he does have feelings for kamala it's not going the way he plans but i mean he's still there for her he's still a friend so i think it's showing a more well-rounded character than that uh but also in the defense of bruno like i don't think it's as simplistic of like, oh, I'm not going to go because I, I have feelings for Kamala and now there's this other guy, like, I got to be here for that. I think there is this, like, he has a clear interest in tech and yes. designing things and coming up. Like, mm-hmm. they, they've actually done a wonderful job seeding that without being front and center, but there's just these little nods of like mm-hmm. how he's such a brilliant engineer. Yeah. And... I think there is this push and pull. Yes, you're right. There is a bit of that jealousy. He's like, oh, no, you know, what, what's going to happen when I'm gone? But also, he's got, like, kind of this opportunity of a lifetime, too, where he's helping Kamala develop these powers. And as important as it is to her for, like, being this superhero, he's in a position where he gets to be kind of that guy in the chair. So I think there is this level of, like, unfinished work that he might be feeling as well. So I don't think it's just purely like, oh, young, what did we call it? Uh, crush. I can't remember what we called it earlier, but that like that young crush mm-hmm. in high school. Like, I think there is multi layers to Bruno here. Yeah. Yes. I agree with you on that, but I think the high school counselor is mm-hmm. right. You got to go. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You got to go. <laughs> Get out. All, all expenses paid, dude. Come on. I know. Right. Like that's <laughs> like, like you can go do that. Get your training and come back and help Kamala even more. But one hundred percent, you know. I'm glad you brought that up. I felt so bad that we we uh, skipped over the Bruno stuff because Bruno, man, again, no one talks about him. <laughs> well, excuse me, Brian <laughs> and Nakia. I, that that whole friend group is just so wonderfully written. Like they feel real. I'm gonna keep being a broken record on that. Like the point in the beginning of the episode where they're, uh, where Kamala and Bruno are excited and they're jumping up and down about something, and the Nokia comes in. And it's like, what are we jumping about? Like it just, it feels real. So I'm glad that mm-hmm. that chemistry is there. The other thing I wanted to highlight, kind of sticking with Bruno, loved, loved the Avengers in-game reference wherever they were doing the training montage. Mm-hmm. And she tries to do the hard light step off into the ground and she falls and he catches her and she's like, you got to let me go. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just, uh. So good. Yeah. Well, in, in, but just the way they play into that of like, you, you know, I, I thought of, um, Hawkeye and Kate Bishop, you know, in, in that scene, but just the whole, I thought of actually Toby Maguire and, like, okay, I got to really test myself um, into the Spider-Verse and really test yourself and like, okay, leap of faith, I got to do this, you know, and, and, and like you said earlier, like you're trying to get, and it gets higher and higher in difficulty, even though you're not really accomplishing it. And then it's like, oh, it's, it's, you're, you were fine. <laughs> <laughs> the final story thought I want to share, and this is stupid. And also very visually dependent, so probably not great for a podcast. But 
there the scene when Kamala and Bruno go into the attic to really start demonstrating the powers mm-hmm. off into the bottom right corner there is almost this framing that makes it look like a white A and the only reason that that stuck out to me is I remember when the in between Infinity War and Endgame before Endgame's title was revealed, the Russo brothers shared a picture where it just said "Look closely," and it was supposed to spell out Endgame. Endgame. Yeah. So because of that, now that shot, that stupid A, that was the only thing I could think <laughs> of because <laughs> I poured hours over that dumb image trying to figure out what the title of the final Avengers movie was going to be. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. And of course, I'll link to the tweet and I'll try and get a screenshot too of Miss Marvel where I'm talking about mm-hmm. and the the tweet the Russo brothers put out so people can see what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that's where my brain went. That's all right. I, I just love the sequence of just like Again, the 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 experimenting with it, but not really knowing what they're doing, you know, and, and Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> it was oh, clever. Man. That was clever. Very clever. Well, I think that's gonna do it. So, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always follow us at MC Need to Know both on Twitter and Instagram. But as of right now, until July, the best place to actually get in contact with us is in the Discord. Uh, that's where you can comment both on the Miss Marvel episodes as they happen. You can have any feedback for the podcast episode in which you just listened, or you can just join the community as they celebrate various different pop culture fascinations and become part of that community so if any of that sounds interesting to you you can find a link to the discord in the show notes of course as we stated last episode this pod is beautiful and you got to share that beauty with friends i'm only saying that for your sake now because i know that threw you so far (laughs) off but yeah share it with a friend um you know it gives them something to listen to it you know, deepens your friendship because, hey, this is something I'm into and now you get to share it with someone else, gives you something else to talk to or to talk about. So please share it with a friend. Ratings and reviews, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever else that actually you can you can do them. Uh, please do so. It's super helpful uh, for us. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on a SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. Uh, is there anything else that I wanted to bring up? Um, not that I can think of. I think I'm ready. Cool. Stuff watch is up. Oh, okay. What's I up? was looking for Reapers like to like start recording and I was like, wait, it, okay, it's already recording. We sing. I was about to say we are recording. <laughs> we sunk up. We we're, we're sunk up, synced up. We sunk up. <laughs> Look, we're early. We're earlier than we normally record. <laughs> So any zaniness that may happen in this episode will be blamed on not being our regular time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's exactly what's what's going wrong here. <laughs>
this is like that time that I sat down thinking I had an hour ready left to go, and you're like, hey, are you ready? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, all my alarms went off the moment you messaged me. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. All right. We good to go? Cool. Yep, let's roll it. All right, here we go. Episode 113. <sighs> here we go.